This morning we will be reading from the Bible, which is, I hope, no surprise to any of you. We are continuing in our series um, through uh, Deuteronomy 5, specifically the Ten Commandments, and I have the privilege this morning um, in sharing with us and teaching from the Word uh, on Deuteronomy 5, verse 16. So if you have your Bibles, please open with me and let's read together. Honor your father and mother as the Lord your God commanded you, that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Family, for some of us the idea of family brings up thoughts of warmth, wonderful thoughts, and for some of us maybe the opposite. God designed family as one of the most basic structures where we are supposed to learn and live out biblical forms of love, care, forgiveness, leadership, responding to leadership, and a whole host of other biblical mandates. Unfortunately, in a fallen world, the perfect family does not exist, and what is often lacking is the principle of honor, specifically honoring authority. We live in a day and age where authority is not a word that carries many good connotations. In fact, words like power, jurisdiction, command, control, mastery, dominance, dominion, and rule, all synonyms of authority, are taken with a bit of skepticism. Meaning, what kind of power? Who gave you jurisdiction? Who are you in command of? And why do you want control? Honestly, it's gotten so bad that many people just want to speak out against any form of authority altogether. We don't believe certain people should have power, and so we think of ourselves as against or anti-authority. We want governmental structures that have less authority over our everyday lives, and authority that does exist should serve me directly and personally. But really, we're not anti-authority. We are just more for the authority of most sincerely yours truly. We love having authority, right? As long as I have authority to do what I want, when I want, how I want, I'm against authority. Well, no, then we're just for the authority as long as the buck stops here. And this really strikes at the heart of what I believe the Lord would have for us this morning. As we consider honoring and submitting to the authority of parents and other figures of authority in our lives, in light of the fact that they ultimately all point to and represent God and his, and so, uh, his authority. And so as we dive into the text, we will consider the structure of the fifth commandment. We will also then consider the command itself and then the promise of blessing. But before we do, I'm very aware of my need for the Lord's help, so let's just pray. Lord, thank you that we have the privilege of opening your word. Thank you that we can know you are eager to speak to us, your people. Thank you that we can know this command is not outdated. You have purposes that you want to accomplish through your commandments. And so, Lord, I pray that you will use me as your instrument and that you will speak clearly to your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We are at a pivoting point in our process in going through the Ten Commandments. In the first four commands, 
we saw commands that were focused explicitly on how we are to relate to God. We are to have no other gods before us. We are not to make or bow down to any other false gods. We are not to take the name of the Lord in vain, and we are to keep the Sabbath. Now we are changing from those commands to commands that are more directed at how we relate to our fellow man. Honor father and mother, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't bear false witness, and don't covet. This divide can be described as a shift from our vertical commands to how we relate only with God to now horizontal commands, how we are to relate with one another. And people who are much, much smarter than myself will call this two tables. So the first table being vertical, how do we relate to God? And the second table being horizontal, how do we relate to each other? And just before we move on, let me just interject that although this second table, these horizontal commands seem to be about how to relate to one another, they are primarily about how we relate to God. Behind it all stands a God worthy of our obedience and honor in all things above all else. Now when I first got very generously gifted a single verse from the law of the Old Testament to preach on this morning, I have to admit I didn't see much there. But as always the case with the word, it is living and active and it never ceases to amaze us. And so one of the first things that we can look at and notice is that along with keeping the Sabbath, honoring your father and mother are the only two commands that are giving in the positive, as an admonition, as in you should do this. The other eight are given as negative commands or warnings, as prohibitions, as in you should not do these things. And I want to bring us back to something that Matthew said last week, and it's very important for us to know. Matthew said, the Lord's shalls are just as authoritative as his shall nots. So don't think that this mandate, do not murder, is more authoritative than honor your father and mother. This is important because as we will see again in just a while, God takes this command very seriously. Also as a structural observation, when we consider our vertical commands, we see that God is claiming for himself our soul, honor, and obedience. Nothing else is to be honored above him, full stop. And yet the moment we turn to the first horizontal command of how we are to relate to one another, we're now no longer commanded to honor God alone, but we are commanded to honor our father and mother. It's amazing. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 22 when he was asked about the greatest commandment. He said, and he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And by the way, Jesus just summed up for us that first table, those first four commands. Verse 39, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, which is essentially a summary for us of the second table. So when God said, honor me alone, and then suddenly in the fifth command says, honor your father and mother, that is because the second table is like 
the first. And this is because we are called to honor God alone as holy and just and deserving of all our praise and worship by honoring father and mother and neighbor as ourself. Now, we would be prudent to consider a question as part of the structure. What is the actual command and who is included in this? Is this only mother and father? Until now, God has been speaking to the nation as a whole and commanding them to honor him and him alone. Have no other gods before you. Do not make or bow down to any false gods. Do not use my name in vain and honor my Sabbath. So is it possible that God is now saying when we turn to the the horizontal commands that he's saying, okay, what I want you to do is get out a piece of pen a piece of paper and a pen. I want you to make two columns and I want you to write all the good things your parents have done on this side and I want you to write down all the bad things your parents have done on this side and then I want you to discern for yourself whether your parents deserve honor and if they do, then please be so kind and give it to them. No, that is not what the Lord is saying. This law, this fifth command is as binding on humanity as all the others. It is overarching. It applies to everyone And there are no exceptions. So the Lord's command to honor father and mother is binding and it is twofold. First, God is calling us to honor parents as his image and authority bearers towards children on earth because their position and authority are from him. Look with me at two verses. One in Romans 13b says, for there is no authority except from God. And Ephesians 5.21 says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So both of these scriptures have uh, the implication that we are not honoring the parent as a standalone human breathing body only, but rather that we honor them because the authority that they have came from God and we honor them out of reverence for Christ. So the honor they receive is because They represent and have been placed in that honor-receiving position by God. Secondly, this command sets us a trajectory for godly living in life in general, but also in society. Let's look real quick how um, David, uh, sorry, Joshua broke up uh, Israel. As Joshua was leading Israel into the promised land, they were commanded to to devote everything to the Lord for destruction. Achan disobeyed, he kept some of those things devoted for destruction, and Joshua said that a lot would be cost to figure out who the guilty person was. And so he said a lot would be cost for the tribe of Israel first, for the tribe, then a clan, and then a household. And here in Joshua gave us a bit of the structure of Israel, the nation of Israel, tribes, clans, and households. And this is significant because the command to honor father and mother are at the household level. Honoring of parents is a grassroots level of honoring and respecting and obeying because it's fundamental to the structures of honoring and respecting and obeying all other forms of God's established authority. As an Israelite may have peered over the shoulders of his father, he would have seen the authority of the clan. And as he would have looked beyond that, he would have seen the authority of the tribe and the nation and ultimately the authority that God has given to all of those as the owner of all authority. So this command sets us up 
to realize and see that the honor due to our fathers and mothers are not theirs on merit, as in they have earned it. It is theirs because that authority is from above. And how kind is it of the Lord that he has established the family as an institution, the very first institution each one of us belong to as newborn babies, so that we may there learn about honor and obedience and what that would look like, because that would later then become an image or reflection for us of how to honor other earthly institutions. And ultimately, brothers and sisters, it all points us and teaches us how to be able to honor the authority of God and submit to him above all else. Amen. Now, this has all been structural. So let's get into the command, which is my second point, honoring parents. Honoring parents is not easy to define. It takes wisdom to know what honor looks like in different scenarios, especially as we come, become older. Now, hear me. I did not say it becomes more optional. It, it's only different in knowing what that honor may look like as we become older. That being said, I think a biblically faithful uh, definition of honoring parents and others would be joyfully and eagerly following responding to and respecting those whom God has given authority. It is essentially an attitude of leaning into authority and being eager, as far as it depends on us and is biblically permissible, to follow and submit to leadership. What it is not, honoring parents or or those in authority is not blindly obeying unbiblical abuses of power or being willing to submit to men rather than God. In Acts 5.29 it says, but Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. Even so, in our endeavor to honor God by being obedient to all that he has commanded us to do, we are not absolved from honoring those in authority who abuse that position, even though we may have to disobey abuses of power that clearly and explicitly disregard and go against God's word. And although I think we would be prudent to not run towards the exceptions, as was the tendency of the scribes and the Pharisees, there are extreme and usually uncommon times where we will need to honor even though we may not need to obey that same authority. And we honor those in authority even though we may not obey by not taking to social media to rally troops around ourselves to bash a certain government official that I didn't vote for anyway. This is not honoring to the person, to the position, to their God-given authority or to God himself. I wonder if unbelievers were to overhear both our public and private conversations or if they were to read our social posts, whether they would get the idea that we honor our local government official or that he is a fill-in-the-blank in our humble but ever-correct opinion. Honoring authorities joyfully and eagerly, responding to our bosses when we kindly decline lying about an order or a conversation without then gossiping about our bosses around the water cooler or at home to our spouses. It's being on time and doing our work with excellence, even though that may not be the example that's being set. How about in the family? 
Honoring is something the Lord expects from the youngest child to the oldest adult. Things as simple as charitable judgments, how we talk about our parents to other people, including our spouses, and being quick to forgive are all ways of honoring parents. Honoring our parents and other forms of God's authority is as much a disposition of our heart as it is an outward act. Honoring our parents could be visiting your mother in the old age home and sitting, listening to her tell you the same story about how she met your dad for the hundredth time, even though you'd prefer to be somewhere else. Honoring our parents could be kindly and gently differing with your dad about how you and your wife have decided to raise your children without then going home and speaking ill of them with others. Honoring our parents is joyfully and eagerly doing our chores without an attitude of rebellion in our heart. And may I add, there may be no better way for us to honor our parents than by encouraging them in the Lord, reading the word together, and praying with them. If you don't know how to do this best, ask them what would serve them in honoring them. Trust me, they have ideas for you. If you have often thought of honoring parents as more of an outward act, simple obedience, yet having rebellion and not seeing that it is an attitude of your heart, read with me Romans 1, 28 to 32. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanders, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, Ruthless, Though they know God's righteous degree that those who practice such things deserve to die. Incredible. It seems that disobedient to parents just actually doesn't fit on this list. I mean, how can murder, haters of God, inventors of evil, heartless and ruthless be in the same category as one of my sons not taking out the trash like I asked them to? It seems out of place. And I believe the point God is making is that it is not out of place in the least. It's almost like Paul is saying to us that the fact that someone might find it easy to dishonor their parents would put them in great spiritual danger and probably capable of committing just about any egregious sin imaginable. Legan Duncan said, God attaches the same penalty to disobedience of parents that he attaches to blasphemy and idolatry, and the worship of false gods. Ultimately, we cannot overestimate the importance of honoring fathers and mothers and all forms of God's authority, not because they deserve or have earned it, but because they are the image and authority bearers of God's. And so it is the work of God in choosing them as our parents and leaders that we honor, not our personal assessment of how well we think they are doing. Now, I do think an opportunity would be missed if we did not turn the table, so to speak, on parents, mainly, albeit not exclusively, parents of children that are still living at home. And that is because there is quite clearly in society at large 
an attack on families in the form of parents who do not practice and exercise the necessary authority and demand the necessary honor that, and respect that they should from the young children. Too often today, we see that we are encouraged to treat our children as our equals. And in the sight of God, as his creation and his co-image bearers, they are. But in the sense that they are our earthly equals and to the point that this causes us to shy away from exercising our God-given authority, we are doing them no favors. How else are our children to learn to submit to authority outside of the house if they cannot even do so in a loving environment? Teaching my children to obey and honor myself and my wife is part of how I teach them to honor God and all forms of his established authority, including himself. Did you know that in Exodus 21, it says that children who strike or curse their father or mother are to be put to death? And Deuteronomy 21 says that children who do not heed or honor their parents are to be stoned. Now, children, take heart. The death penalty is not what this pastor is promoting this morning. But children and parents need to know with great certainty that life and death are very much still at stake. Now, parents, where might we fail at this? We let our children make decisions about what they will eat or what they will wear, even though we would prefer something else. We decline to discipline them because it just takes time and effort. It's exhausting. We treat our children as equals to our spouses when, in fact, parents who prioritize their spouses provide very stable, loving environments for their children. Prioritizing your marriage helps kids to know that they have the love and protection that comes with a complementary, God-designed, parentally-led household. I mean, parental authority is the very first form of authority that children are subject to. It's the very form of, first form of authority that they are required to submit to, and it is our job as parents to see that they do. This is where they learn how to honor teachers, policemen, governments, and ultimately God. Many, many years ago, we, in the early days of attending Kingsway, we were driving, we were still living in the West End, short pump, and we were driving to church. I have my parents' permission to share this illustration. And um, it, was, it was a heated morning of disagreement in the vehicle on the way to church. And when we arrived, my parents asked myself and Riette, who's here visiting this morning from Charlotte, uh, and Yunay to go inside and they will be with us momentarily. And so we came in and we greeted people and mom and dad were not there. There was a call to worship and mom and dad were not there. We took up offerings, we had a sermon and mom and dad were not there. And so finally we turned around, we walked out and the moment we exited those doors right at the back, my mom and dad came walking into the foyer hand in hand. And that was not a facade, they had resolved it. They were back to being the lovebirds we know them to be. This blessed me. This made me feel my family is secure and confident. My parents prioritized their marriage and that made our home a wonderful, safe home. Yeah, amen. Now I tried to be an honoring son, but thanks be to God, we have in Jesus the ultimate example of him who honored his parents in every way. Hear what Kevin DeYoung says. Even Jesus obeyed his parents and he was perfect and they were not. If you ever have a moment where you think, I know so much more than my parents. In fact, I feel like I'm living life much better than my parents. I'm much closer to perfection than my parents. 
Congratulations, you're a lot like Jesus. And he never disobeyed his parents. The fact is that no one ever submitted to God more than Jesus. No one ever obeyed God better than Jesus. No one ever honored God perfectly in everything except Jesus. And if ever there was someone who had grounds to claim exemption from having to do so, it was Jesus, but he didn't. And praise God, he didn't. He humbled himself in obedience. And he became the substitutionary lamb, dying in our place so that he could fulfill promises of blessing as he is now the one who says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And if it is God's granted authority in parents we honor, we better be honoring the source of that authority in Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Redeemer. Now I want to take a moment because if when you hear me saying Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, you say yes and amen, and that is true for you, praise God. That is the work of the Spirit in your life. However, when I speak of Jesus Christ and his obedience in dying in our place, and you are not sure what that means or whether that applies to you, I want to beg with you, if you hear nothing else this morning, please do not leave here without speaking with someone. We would love to pray with you and to speak with you and to see that you are introduced to him. Because as we will see momentarily, this promise of blessing is not only a promise of blessing in this life here on earth, but it is a promise of future blessing as well. Jesus is busy preparing a place for you and me. He is busy preparing future blessing for you and me even as we speak. Thank God. So, honor your father and mother, mother and all other forms of authority to which they point us. First, out of obedience to God, but also because we have a promise, a promise of blessing. And that brings us to the third point, the blessing. Now, before we can take a single step down this path of considering the promise of blessing that goes with this morning's text, can we just take a moment to consider that there is a God in heaven who is perfect he is self-sufficient and completely satisfied in himself in every way. He could not be more satisfied in himself. And yet, he desires to lavish blessing on us as his creation. I mean, does that not just humble you? It's, it's worth pondering in probably an entire series of messages. But it is good for us to slow down just for a moment and consider that we are about to discuss being the recipients of blessing that we do not deserve. Wow. Now let's be sure God's blessings are not a mathematical law. You don't put an honor on this side and out comes blessings on the other side. Rather, these promises are general rules that put us in the position of being able to receive blessing as God sovereignly chooses and decides. I wonder if you've ever thought of people that you've seen that you think, those people don't really honor God, and yet he's blessing them. And maybe the other category that we like to put ourselves in most of the time, I'm really honoring my parents, and yet I don't feel blessed. This shows us that we have may, may have attached to this promise things that we have decided to associate with God's blessings, 
money, house, debt, health, obedient, having no debt, health, obedient children, all good things and things that we could long for. And when God decides to give us these things, it is glorious. But even without these earthly things, the very reason that we can be here this morning, having unity as a body, singing songs of worship, giving of what we have been given, hearing the word of God preached, and it does not repulse us, is a blessing. We have much to be grateful for and many blessings from God. They just may not be what we have decided they should have been. Let me also say, it is not bad for us to be motivated by blessing. They are good. They are from God. And he is unable of giving bad blessing. James says that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. So let's just begin by acknowledging that if God offers promises of blessing, that is good. In fact, just as warnings are a means by which God intends to keep us from sinning against him, just so promises of blessings are another means by which God seeks to motivate us to obey his commands. Now that being said, there are two pitfalls that we need to consider when we're considering God's blessings. And both these pitfalls are to be avoided. The first pitfall would be when we are so cautious of blessing for fear of a prosperity gospel, as well we should be, but that we ignore blessings and passages of blessings rather than longing for and yearning for God to bestow his blessings upon us for fear of making them more important than the gospel. And as good as our intentions may be in doing that, the question has to be asked, why? Why would we shy away from a God who says he has good things for us? Matthew, in Matthew 7, 11, Jesus said, If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? He is a God who gives good things. He longs to give good things for us, to us, and for us to enjoy them. So let us not run from them as if they are taboo. The second pitfall, on the other hand, and on the complete other side of the spectrum, is when these promises are worked for as the driving force and ultimate goal for why we honor or are obedient. Because our obedience cannot and must not be grounded in the blessing. That would be to violate the first command. You shall have no other gods before me. Because it would mean that we value or cherish the gift more than God. The blessing becomes an idol. Rather, let us ground our motivation and our drive for obedience in a sincere desire to honor God. Then the promises of blessings can be what God intended them to be. Motivational. And as I've said, it's not wrong for these promises to be promises of blessing to be motivational. That's their intended purpose. They just cannot be our main goal or objective. And then if in faith, with the Lord's enabling power, we can strike that balance where we are neither avoiding blessing for fear of making them too important, but we are also not running after the blessing primarily then these can become blessings 
And we will be in a position to receive those blessings as blessings. Not repayment for a job well done. Not remuneration, as in you've earned this. But it will be uh, unmerited favor. Because for everything we may have done, that if it were possible, would have merited or earned blessing and favor from God, we have done innumerably more not to earn or deserve or warrant blessing from God. Even in the moments that we have honored our parents the most, we are still utterly unworthy and undeserving of the blessings that God bestows. Now, what was the actual blessing God promised to Israel for honoring their father and mother? And we read in Deuteronomy 5, that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And this is both a spiritual promise as well as a physical one. There was a promise of being with the Israelites, blessing them and being with them, and that they would live long and peaceably in the land that the Lord has promised to them. For us today, it's different, but the same. Jesus has fulfilled these promises, and we now find ourselves in the ever-present already, not Yet, because this promise of blessing is very much a promise for today. Things that we are to enjoy already today. Already. But there are also promises of not just living long in this land, but a heavenly home where we will get to spend eternity with Jesus. And that is the not yet. Amazing. Amazing that God should so desire to be honored by us and glorified by us that we would bring glory to his name through honoring of father and mother and all the other authorities that he has established. And this is so vital that he does not do so by threatening us. But he has chosen to give us a promise of blessing that if we honor parents, that we would be in a position to be able to receive blessing from him, both in this life and the one to come. Brothers and sisters, what the Lord is asking of us is not impossible It brings him great joy when we desire to grow in how we obey his word and he delights to supply us with the grace we need in order to do so. The ultimate goal of our honoring is not to have parents with cups that are overflowing with honor. The ultimate goal of honoring father and mother is for God to be honored and receive the honor due his name. And with our eyes fixed on him, his promises of blessing and a desire to glorify his name, I have no doubt that we will be more uh, eager and able to honor those whom he has put in authority. But we have to be warned. We bring God honor by obeying his commands in the ways that he has prescribed. And today in reading the fifth commandment, we have been instructed to honor him by joyfully and eagerly following responding to and respecting those whom he has given authority. And what better place to start than with our own father and mother. In closing, read with me from Romans 9, 30 to 32. What shall we say then? That Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it, that is a righteousness that is by faith, but that Israel who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness did not succeed in reaching that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as if it were based on works. 
brothers and sisters, let us not approach this fifth commandment, especially because it has this wonderful promise attached to it in any other way than faith. Trying to reach the law as if it were based on works. But when we do approach it in faith, we can be sure that the outcomes and the results of our honor to authority will be one of favor with God, where in faith we can receive with joy the promised blessings of Yahweh. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you that although we are undeserving and although we do not earn those blessings, you have thought it good to give us promises of blessing as a way to pull us from disobedience to obedience. And Lord, you have specifically attached this command to honoring our father and mother, which are in that position because you have granted them that position, because you have lavished all authority, which only comes from you, upon them. And Lord, thank you that we can be sure that as we honor them, you are eager to bless us. Lord, we realize that this morning's text is not about honoring, honoring our parents only, but that there are probably for all of us someone somewhere that we need to honor differently, someone whom we have not been honoring. And I pray, Lord, that this morning your word would be applied to our hearts, that we would leave here eager to do what you have commanded us in the fifth commandment, not because we are trying to accomplish it by works, but in faith to the glory of your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.